think of his grace and his mercy And oh yeah, how he loves me All I can do is thank him for blessing me He shows me from the hurt and the pain A touch from him and you will never be the same Yes, I gotta thank him for saving me I thank him for my blessings every day that I wake up. We were born into this sin, but he decided to save us. Wasn't grateful for my life, but now I thank him every night. Because without him, I'd be lost. Now the problem has been solved. I remember all the lies and all the times that I disguised. But now his greatness and his mercy was revealed until my eyes. I'm so alive, I rose up from the desert. I cannot help but give him praise. You should come along for the ride. All right, everybody, I want to thank you guys for joining us again for another episode of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study. I'm your host, Coach Chelsea, and I'm excited to join you again for another hour, y'all. I'm going to tell you right now, I have been excited for this call for a while now. We had her in the books a couple of months in advance, and I've been like a kid looking at the calendar for Christmas, ready for this date to appear, and we have arrived. Today, we have Servant Leader Dr. Kiki Baker Barnes with us. So many titles that I could list, but one of the things that I love before I say that, a true servant heart, a true servant heart, a woman of God before all things, but the director of athletics at Dillard University, uh, the interim commissioner right now of Gulf Coast Atlantic Conference, so many other titles, uh, the founder of Kiki Baker Barnes LLC, which we're going to get into, but most of all, a soror of Delta Sigma Theta Soror. Incorporated. Yes, ma'am. So, ladies and gentlemen, this hour is going to grow you, going to enrich you. I thank you so much just for being here and for your time because I know you stay busy. So, I'm going to pass the torch to you to say hello to our listeners. We'll get this conversation started. Well, hello, everybody. I am so excited to, hear, to be here with the servant leader herself, Coach Chelsea. Um, <laughs> I'm thrilled and excited uh, to share a little bit, talk a little bit about God, faith hoops, athletics, community, world. We're going to have a good time today. So I'm thrilled to be here. <laughs> I love it. All that. We're going to get all that. I love it. And I think, you know, I think that's why more than anything, and like I was telling, you know, before listeners, you know, we've had her before. So if you've been a uh, faithful listener of the Servant Leader, you have witnessed and watched her on one of our special editions, What is a Delta? She is, of course, a Delta Sigma Theta, which again, we... We're founded on Christian principles, but of course, yes. the forefront of that is service, right? And so to be able to watch how all of us exude that in our daily lives is such an amazing thing, right? When you make that, yeah. when you're, you know, years ago and you're still walking that path, but, you know, to get this conversation started, you know, right now, here was the amazing part. In this life of sports, it is very rare that you see a person stay at one post for quite a bit of time, you know, and I've done my homework, you know, I've done my research, right? So I know that you started out as um, women's basketball coach for Dillard University, women's basketball, then of course, naturally Katrina hit, okay? And everybody who, you know, at least had their eyes open around that time knew what damage that caused to the city and everything around it. But not only did that take place, but they brought you back. They brought you back and you came back after Katrina and have still been at Dillard University since that time. Can you talk a little bit about just one? Some people would have left that alone. They would have moved. They would have said, hey, let me just find another path. 
you took the bull by the horns, came back and now pushed it to even more greatness. Talk a little bit about just your position at Dillard, what that means to you to bounce back from such, such a huge and massive incident in that area and now to keep it thriving. Man, let me tell you something. Like when I, I'm actually, so let me just drop this right now. I'm working <laughs> on my book. Let me tell you, Come I'm working on. on my book. And the book will talk a little bit about how this all happened. So let me let me preface this by saying that I was the assistant women's basketball coach. No, let me rewind back. In 2002, 2003, I kind of was fed up with athletics. Um, I had moved really quickly. Within three years out of college, I had gotten a head coaching position. Um, you know, I was looking to get somewhere, be stable and grow under a coach. And so I was pretty frustrated. Um, at around 2003. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take a year off. I took a year off, came back to New Orleans, to UNO, lived in a dorm, okay? and Listen to wow. this, 28, 28 years old. I moved back into the dorm, got into a PhD program and was kind of like, well, if things work out, I think I'll want to do athletic administration. I think I'm just going to take a break from this coaching thing. So I'm there, I'm excited. I'm learning about student affairs. I was like, well, I, I think I could do student affairs. This could work for me. I got a chance to work in residential life. And for a moment, I thought that God was changing my path. I thought that he was leading me to student affairs, dean of students work. Well, something happened in 2004. So we, we'll circle back, back around spring 2004. Robin Martin got hired as the first African-American woman athletic director at Dillard University. Now, here's the thing. Robin and I both played for the same coach at UNO, but at, in different eras. Like she was there like five years before I got there. But I knew about her because she was on the coaching staff right before I came there as a player. So I'd hear like the former players saying, man, Coach Robin was, man, she was tough. Coach Robin was this, Coach Robin was that. So she, we knew of each other. She used to come to the games. Um, so when I found out that she got the job, I reached out to her. I was like, Robin, like, this is amazing. Congratulations. I'm so excited for you. That conversation turned into an interview. So she was like, well, Kiki, what you been doing since you left UNO? So I gave her the whole spiel about, you know, eventually moving to being a head coach. And now I was just taking a year off and I thought I might want to get an administration. I told her I had done some cheer work. I was I was the head coach of the Chilean squad at the head at the um the, the school that I was the head coach at. So she was like, you know, I need a Chilean coach. Why don't you come over here and work with me? So I was kind of like, eh, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do that, run the dorm. I'm gonna call 24-7. We we probably talked for about two weeks and it eventually turned into her hiring me as her assistant. Whoever she had eventually offered the job to wound up pulling out. And so I was like, man, I really get a chance to work under a strong woman, which was something I wanted um, and who was knowledgeable and I could grow because that was my frustration why I took the year off. I was like, I don't get to grow under nobody. I keep moving. So I'm thrilled, right? So it's 2004. We finished the year off in 2005. And in August of 2005, Katrina hits. 
So now I'm sitting there kind of like, man, I don't know what's going on. So for about three months, and, and let me pause and say, first of all, I met my husband at this time. So we we dated, got engaged within three months. <laughs> let me just say that. We yes. talked about three days later. <laughs> we were engaged. <laughs> so I, I, I met my boo at Billet. Okay. Then I thought I had the, the, the dream of a lifetime working for this positive woman in November. Let me see. October 31st, I actually got a pink slip. Wow. Okay. So they sent me, uh, I remember getting the email. I remember calling Rob and I was like, did you, did you know they were going to let us off? They hadn't even told her that they were going to let everybody go. So now I'm kind of, I'm really mad. I'm like, God, why you do this to me? Like I told you I was good at the student affairs thing. You know, we can do, I can be a dean of students. I get to work with all students, not just the student athletes. And I trusted you when I prayed about this and when this opportunity came and you told me to go over here. Now I'm over here. Now I'm unemployed. Come on. So, we all been there. Yeah. So, look, so I'm feeling some kind of way. Now, my husband's still employed because he's a fundraiser, right? So they let none of the fundraisers <laughs> go. So, so come January 2006, we actually come back with the university, living in the Marriott Hotel. That's where the university had set us all up. I think we were having classes in Hilton, the faculty and staff, because remember my husband's staff, I'm doing school full time. And I mean, we just, you know, just trying to figure it out. So it's around August, September, my husband comes home and says, hey, did you know Robin was leaving? I said, wait a minute. I talked to her. She didn't tell me she was leaving. He said, yeah, my boss told me about it, said, would you be interested in the uh, the coaching job? I said, well, if I could be the AD, sure. So I met with the, um, I met with the, um, whoever the, uh, the, the, the hire manager was at the time. And I got hired as the athletic director, head women's basketball coach at Dillon University. Wow. That's how that happened. And so I tell people all the time, I was like, you know, we think we know, but we don't know. Come on, we here. think we know. We think we know, but we don't know because we don't. when I tell people I was supposed to be an athletic director at the end of my life, at the end of my career, that was supposed to be the end of career job. He was like, "Nah, I want you to start right now." So Come now on. I'm here since 15 years in the game, and I'm like, "Man, I'm an OG. Like I would have never planned it that way." See there? Look, but see, God's the real OG. Cause he goes and he knows when we even li put limits on ourselves. I always think about coach yo at Ole Miss servant leader. She'll say, yes. we play ceilings on ourselves and God. And he's like, really? See, you're thinking this small and I'm trying to give you an AD position. You sit here trying to pace yourself. Come on. I mean, like, so I sit around and I'm going to tell you, like when it happened, I was like, so this the beginning. Like, I mean, that's how I started thinking about it. Like, I thought this was supposed to be the end. Then I started thinking, well, am I going to die early like that? What you got going on? Oh, yeah. Now, wait a minute. This wasn't supposed to happen this fast. So I just, man, I, and I don't even, <laughs> it was good I got the job then because I, I will say that even in the limitations, I also didn't believe in limitations. Like okay. I fully believed that, he was calling me and that I could get it done because he had called me to do it and he had positioned me to do this work. Come on. So if he positioned me to do it, then all I needed to do was just, I needed to lock in, right? Lock in, be prepared, and then take everything that I've learned 
and put it into use. And so um, now I'm sitting here 15 years later, looking back like, man, that was crazy. I mean, I was like, if I... <laughs> If I knew now, if I knew then what I do now, like, hey, no way. There are so many things I would have done differently. <laughs> but that's because I have the extensive knowledge now. Yeah. But I think that's awesome. And I think one of the things that as Christians, when Christ gives us that call and he gives us that vision, you know, we know it's the age old quote and time that they tell us if he gives you the vision, he'll provide provision. And it's like, we're like, well, no, uh, not yet, right? Because that's what the world does. The world says that you have to have all these credentials and all these, but it, you know what he says, you know, and what everybody reminds me of all the time. He didn't call the qualified, he qualifies the call. And that's exactly what he did to you. And I mean, even in everything that we watch you flourish with now, that if there was a picture that could be by that statement, it would be and your career. I mean, I'm serious, but that's what God does. We limit him and he's like, why are you tripping? I got you. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that our walk is, we're always evolving. Like, yeah. I think that's the, I think there's never a time where we get to the final spot, like until we die. Yeah. Like there's always a work to do. Right. Come so on. I, I feel like we are every, every test is, is like this preparation for, again, for this next piece to this next piece until we go back home with him. Yeah. And so I think we have to embrace our journey in that way. Like, I don't ever see myself as arriving. Again, arriving is death and going to heaven. That is, that, that's arriving, literally. Because even the things that I imagined, like... Everything that I've dreamed has happened and I'm 46 and now I have new dreams. I have new vision that he's given me. And so now it's like, oh, whatever, well, there's something new. And then there's, there's different things that are being required of me for the new vision. And so as I'm walking the path, I'm growing, I'm developing new skills that he's given me. Like you said, the provision, he's mm -hmm. given me the things that I need to do this new vision Come on. and to fulfill those things now. And so I think we have to really be reflective as Christians doing this work. Um, and if you, if you truly believe, and this is, this, and this is, this is my thing. If you truly believe that we are a royal priesthood, you understand you are a priest, you're a preacher. Like you are the living word. Like we got to walk and talk it. Like it's yeah. in every action. And everything that we do, it's not a show up on Sunday and, mm. and then we good and then we leave. And if we didn't learn anything else in COVID, when you couldn't gather, like what happened? Like we're not Christians no more because we couldn't be in a church. Come on. Come on. That, I mean, we, we're not Christians no more because that was a lot of work to be done. I'm trying to tell you. So if that's going what 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 is Christianity? What is the relationship piece of this? Because if you were relegating your relationship to being able to be in a building, we have told it this the boat. Come on, come that's on. That's my two cents. Look, that's my two cents. Well, we'll take it. I'm gonna take it and drop it. <laughs> okay, I'm telling you. But I think that I think that is is golden. That you know this Christian walk is 24 seven, 365. Last 66. 
it does not stop just like you said you know the church is in us and that was like i said that was highlighted in this moment and like like you said if you didn't get that then if you this year had shown you that right I, i'm always reminded um i love christine kane you know my brother cabral huff he's on here and we love her hey. we're often um and listen to her and just kind of take heart to think what she says and one of the things she often speaks about is the fact that we miss our calling a lot of what Christ is calling us to do because we stay in the same arena. So if we're always going to stay in the church, wherever your church is assigned, right? The churches, do you come outside the church? Because Jesus didn't just walk with Christian folk, believers, right? But we always find ourselves in a place where we want to put our Christian walker, as you say, our priesthood in a box. We miss the calling on touching somebody. And the thing that she says that throws that throws me for a loop all the time and reminds me this is it's not always that you have to talk about Christ. Did you say mm -hmm. thank you? Yeah. Did yeah. you say thank you? Right? You have to stop yeah. start somewhere. And I think that is amazing that you would place it that way and open our eyes as Christians onto what we're called to be and what we're called to do. Man, and I want to tell you, like, it, and it literally has to be a way of life. Mm -hmm. you know, it, has to, it has to be a way of life. And God has given everybody something. We all have something, and we've always had it. But the question is whether or not we've understood it as the power or the thing that he gave us to do the work. So for me, it's always been the energy people energy they just love the energy but the energy was given to me for the betterment of the body of christ for the people who have the opportunity to interact with me and so there have been instances and i'll, I'll give you an example so when i started my so you want a career in athletics program um i my first year i did it on campus at dillard you know with young with young women that i work with Ask some of our, some of my good friends to come in. I saw Ron Tamika Smith, you know, had her come yes. in. She was my first speaker. She was the first person to say yes to me. She was my keynote. Carla Wilson at that time was um, the AD at UMKC. She came down and I had about four or five young women who were on my game day sports management team who worked with me directly, who said they want to have a career in sports. So, you know, we had a good time. I'll never forget this. My One of my young mentees, who's now coaching. Come on she here. coaching volleyball at a local high school yes. in Texas. Christella. Christella I was say, shout, her, shout her out. Yeah. Christella Jimenez. Jimenez. <laughs> oh, Lord. I got I to gotta pronounce the name right because she's Hispanic. But so Jimenez. Okay, I'm getting it right. Jimenez. So <laughs> Christella comes we, we transition from the the workshop piece and the second half of the day they come to the game the girls get to come out on the floor they get to meet the team and all this kind of stuff so we're sitting in the gym and we're preparing i'm setting up like the music for the game or something she grabs me she holds me and she just starts crying and i'm like she says thank you dr kiki and i'm kind of sitting there like Okay, and then I start crying because I know what the, I know what that is. She was so grateful. She was grateful to have the opportunity to be in the space with people that she believed could help her. And mm -hmm. all I could think was like I was obedient to the spirit by doing the work. 
Come on. And I didn't even know that by doing that work, it would impact her in that way. But when I tell you, it was like the Holy Spirit was up in that place. Come I on. mean, and it was and it was like me and her were literally in the gym, balls are bouncing, and she's crying, I'm crying, and she is just, she could not contain it. And I think about it all the time. We get in the church, we have a mama, we get the spirit, and you can't contain it. Like, literally, that happened in a, just a, a an everyday occurrence. In just doing what God asked us to do, being obedient mm-hmm. to the assignment. Mm-hmm. That, was at a, that was at a gym. That wasn't in no church. And I can tell you that the work that I do personally with young women, young people in general, is the work of God. Come on. It is the work of God. And we have to see it that way. So we have to show up. We have to be reflective. You know, we need somebody to talk to when we want to choke them because they just make you want to choke them. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Or you just want to shake them and say, listen, but it has really helped me to live out my true Christianity. So for me, I don't, you know, I remember my mom was a pastor and I'll tell you, I got hurt by a preacher. Man, when I say hurt by a preacher, I, I was doing praise and worship one Sunday and the preacher said to me, I, ain't, you know, you ain't called to preach. I, I was first supposed to be preaching. So I'll be getting up there with all that extra before you saying you just need to sing. And I kind of was like, and I felt some kind of way about that. Yeah. And then I remember my mom, it took her 20 years to accept her call to preach. And my mom had been preaching all my life, but being in a church that tells you a woman can't do, a woman can't do, a woman can't do when my mama can't preach mm-hmm. and she can run circles around some, she can Come run on here. circles around some people. Come on now. All my life, like this lady was a teacher, but she was always preaching in the classroom and touching people. And I remember, I remember at that moment deciding this one thing. I was like, I'll never... Lord forbid, Lord Jesus, oh, don't say this. I'm saying it because I feel like he might bring me back and be like, I'm going to put you in that pulpit. But here's what I'll say. I remember saying, I don't even need a pulpit or a church. That's it. Like, I'm with the people. That's what Jesus was. Jesus was with the people. He was touching them one by one. He was right there. He was with them when they were hurting. I'm with kids when they're going through. They coming to me with all their problems. They want to talk about it. They don't necessarily need me to tell them what to do, but they want to be heard. I am there to listen. And then if they allow it to be a guy, come on. That is the work that God asked us to do. And so it, it's a beautiful thing. To know that, like, it don't matter what I'm doing. Like, I don't need, literally, I don't even need a title. I don't need the job. Like, wherever I'm, wherever I am, I'm going to be doing that work. I'm going to take the energy that he gave me and the positivity he gave it to me to, to take people to another level, to help them experience what the love of God looks like, of what the joy of, 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 of serving feels like. I'm going to bring that to whatever I am doing and if I'm doing that I am doing what God has asked me to do and people will see Jesus in me the living word and when I'm done I can go to heaven not rest here we go you would have arrived then and only then I will have arrived <laughs> yes I love it and I think that's going I mean that was 
perfectly explained, definitely hit me because we've, we've heard it. And that's what I love about servant leaders, just this conversation and the open of the eyes. I was, have said this a couple of times on the podcast that I used to feel as if I wasn't doing my part in the church. I, do, I sing and do music ministry in the church, I'm in the church choir, but also being a coach and being a mentor and doing things in you know the community I would often miss rehearsal and then therefore missing service. And I would feel bad about that. I really would. I'm like, oh my goodness. Cause I could just hear my grandpa saying, you gotta work in the vineyard, baby girl, you know? And so finally a coach said to me and which we talk about often on here is that just like you opened up, the church is in you, right? And sometimes the blessing of this thing that we learn is that sport itself is a ministry. And what you just spoke about is recognizing that Jesus wasn't in the pulpit. He was Never. with the people. He was with the people. I, I, and I, you know, I, man, listen, he was with the people healing. Come on. Healing the sick. He was giving them hope. Come on, man. I'd be like, man, people, 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 people need to feel loved. Yeah. Like, and, and people want to feel accepted. Like, I don't even understand like how we can, how we cannot love. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how we can be just so judgmental on people. Yeah. Why can't people be the way God made them? Why can't we accept people the way God made them? Like, I can't understand. Jesus did. No, you didn't, you didn't have to change to be around him like when you read the stories about the lady with the issue of blood they they didn't change they were changed through him because he was accepting like i can't understand people who say they're christians or we say we're christians and we carry our bibles and we show up at church and we can act like a christian and then see people and judge and not be there come on and i think the biggest thing you actually allowed something to resound again in that you know recount of what happened you know as folks would call it church hurt um and then also pretty much inhibiting your mom from her calling for such a long time and i was listening to another message and it was just saying how you know christ didn't dehumanize women or anybody for that matter you know one of the longest accounted conversations within the word is with him in the woman at the you know, and so in recognizing this very thing, and we all know this to be true, okay? I can sit here and listen a, a more than a handful of some powerful women who can tear up a pulpit or whatever likes them. Girl, come on. One of my favorite ones is Bishop Vashti McKenzie. You come know, on. When you, I don't care, you can put her anywhere, and I promise you. You know, and so there's so many. And so when you, you, when you, when you place that in there, when you talk about that and just that love portion, that is one of the things within this world. It didn't just start, right? But it's so magnified today because of social media. So magnified today because we are more accessible. But the simple fact that here's this man that doesn't owe us anything, but he doesn't touch me. And he sees everything. We hide to the world right? Our skeletons are in the closet, right? But there's no closet to him. There, there, there's nowhere to bury bones to him. He knows them. And you know what? He still loves me anyway. He doesn't change anyway. And I love that the way you put it. It's not about changing us. He changes us through him. That's the portion. 
that's it. And I'm telling you, and I, I can I felt this over, it's happened so many times. Like I, I remember having a conversation. So, you know, we're going to George Floyd murder, right? Mm-hmm. And now if if you have you have relationships with black, white, Hispanic, Asian, you have relationships. Now you're in this position where like you need to know kind of where they stand. Like, do you do they really understand, right? So I remember, yeah. oh, I was on a Zoom call with some of my NAIA family. Okay. You know, I'm one of, I'm usually one of the only blacks around, right? And we're having this conversation and we were talking about what needs to happen. And, and one of my, my white colleagues was just kind of saying like, man, we got to do something like this is, we're, and we're going to do something. And I just started crying on the call because to me, I felt loved and I felt heard. And I felt like they, they understood well enough to say to me that we know this isn't right. And we don't necessarily know how to, but just know we're going to do something. Yeah, and we did and understand we have done some things, but I remember just being so grateful that what I thought I felt and what relationships that I had developed with them, they were true relationships. And one of the things that I have talked to people about is if you really, if you can really, really, really open yourself up to really getting to know people, black, white, whatever does not matter. Mm-hmm. I was like, I've connected with so many different people because it was about getting to know who they were past whatever you physically can see, but really understanding who they are. And we don't want to take the time to do that. That is what Jesus did. Come on. That's, that's how he lived. That's why those people were so impacted. That's why they had to run and tell somebody. That's why they couldn't keep it to themselves. It felt so good. That's I it. can't keep it to myself. Or you or they're overcome with emotion. Remember David dancing out of his clothes? You know, yeah. you, know, yeah. you know, being grateful because he had been delivered. Things like that. When you've had this encounter with God, with Jesus, when you've had an encounter like that, that's what it does to you. Well, that's what I do to people. But that's Jesus in me. Yeah. So when, when they, again, when, you know, something, something happens, like, I know I got an army of people who are going to come to support me mm-hmm. because that's what they have felt. Mm-hmm. But we also see what happens when people don't have support, when yeah. we don't show love. And it's, it's, it's absolutely insane to me because I was like, if you really want to know people and really want to take the time, you will listen, you will be open with no judgment. And I don't, you know, again, I don't necessarily know how you actually teach that. And I know our diversity, DE and I, people are trying to get into that space, but Uh you know, I did one, one thing I said to them was like, I mean, just think about if it were you, Mm -hmm. how, how, how would you want to be treated because that's how I manage. That's the space I operate from. If I were on the, if the shoe was on the other foot and I were them, what is it that I would want? And then that's what I took to deliver. That's it. And I think that's so golden. And so I call it fluid love. And what I mean by that is, and we see it all the time. I'm pretty sure people saw the viral um, video of the cute little 
white boy and black boy and their friends and they run down the street and they just embrace each other it just you know just made you smile i don't care who you were you know if you have no actual beating heart if that didn't do something to you right and right. i think about even the smallest thing like now like of course nationally i'm you know preparing my baby girl and you know they always talk about okay, as you're eating, you're developing her taste buds based through what you eat. You know, we know little people are so finicky. They'll say they don't want, I don't like that. Have you ever tried it? No, right? So those, even those to that smallest thing, that's a learned behavior. I watch little kids, I teach high school, but I watch little kids and they they don't know black, white, Hispanic, Asian. They don't know race and ethnicity. They just know people. They know those things, but it goes back to the base, that foundation, like you're saying. Are we saying, what if it were you? Are we looking at that and teaching little people the same way that we, and that's a thing I just caught myself. We as grown people hadn't been taught. So what we're transferring is these same bad habits and values yep. to the next generation. But I think it's best when you say that, that mirror, right? Somebody actually sent me something today. She's a, a servant leader, sister of ours, and it comes right in here. Let me see if we find it. It says, God has never looked in your mirror and wished he saw someone else. You are enough. You are loved. You are his on that. And that was so perfect because it was like, so when all of us look in the mirror, all of us, whatever he made us to be, check off every list, belief, whatever. He made us and he loves each of us regardless of how he made us. And so mm-hmm. it's contradictory when we say, and just, you know, for believers, right? It's contradictory when we say we believe, yet you can hate me because of my difference. Man. Isn't that something? It is. Oh. It is. But it's, and it's so hard for me. You know, again, like I said, I have, as a leader, this perspective. Mm-hmm. is the best in the world and the blind spot that I have mm-hmm. so what do I say that when, when you have to manage come on and you have to make tough decisions with people that's very hard to do when you can find the good thing I can find something good about everybody I have learned that I will say that's something I've learned to find it they have value and I look for the value because here's what I've learned as a leader. When you can, when you can help someone else see their value, they will Come be on. more valuable to you. Come on. They will be more valuable to you because now they feel like, yeah, I bring this, you know, and th- this is stuff we learned on the team. When, when, when your players know you believe when, when they know you believe in them, mm-hmm. you get better production. It's the same thing in leadership. When people believe and, and believe that you believe that they bring value, you can help them see the value in what they have been given, whatever that is. It will help them be more valuable to you. It has also helped me help transition. I've had situations where I realized that what they bring and the value that they do bring is not adequate for the role, but it doesn't mean they don't have value. It just means they're not in the right position. Mm. So now what is it that I need to do as a leader to position them to be successful with what God has given them? So it's a real, it's a real thing as a leader 
Because of, we have power. We have a lot of power and people listen to what we say. So when we speak, you know, we talk about, you know, we can, you know, we can speak like that. And that's really true. We can, mm -hmm. we have to be mm -hmm. careful with it and we have to understand it. And we've got to figure out the best way we can use it to help someone be their best self. And for me, that's kind of the space I'm in. I'm trying to figure out when I'm working with people, what is it that God made you to do? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Because once I know it, he made me the great encourager. This is what I do, right? And once I figure out what you do good, then I'm just going to keep pushing you. You know, that's what you do. Come on. And if it's a skill set that he's taught me how to teach, then I'm going to teach you how to be better at it. And because I have so many relationships, because he's elevated me now, I can find people that can do it if I can't do it. But guess what? If you connected to me now, then I have a responsibility as a leader now to ensure that you live out that purpose. And when we all are in the space where we are living out our purpose, whoo, what a time, what a time, what a time. Come on now. That's one of my songs. You know, I go old school. I just see the deacon sitting on the front uh, pew of the deacon bench. When all God's children get together, what a time, Ooh, what a time, what a time. time. <laughs> yes, ma'am. You know, and what you just explained just reminds me of one of my favorite. People always hear me say, on here, my responses when I talk to people, especially on a pod, if I feel what you're saying, I'll say, that's golden. That's gold. Because one of my favorite scriptures that continues to help me be the best person I can be, it's a good person, is Proverbs 11 and 27. Was it anybody? It's easy. Anybody can find the dirt in someone. Anybody can judge. Anybody can, you know, tear someone down. That part's easy. But be that person that can find the gold. That was Proverbs eleven twenty seven, and I and I and I stick by that. Like some people always say, well, why do you y'all don't ever say anything negative? It was funny. I was talking to my godmother the other day, and we talk often, and it was just amazing. We were sitting in the car. And I said, you know, it's funny. I was telling somebody this other. Day, I said, we we don't talk about people. Like that's just that's not how I was taught. That's not in me. You know, I'm like we're riding in a car. We're just having conversations, right? Yes. It's just like gossiping. And, and I really thought about that thing because I'm like, well, let me check me. Am I doing that? And it's like, I'm not. I'm not perfect, right? No. Legitimately, I am trying, much like what you said, to place people in their best self. But I love how you said it. I want to find what God placed in you. Because when I can see that, that is a true definition of servant leadership right there. That's a calling in itself. When I have that discerning spirit to be able to find what God placed in you. So once I find that, not what I want you to be, not what I think you should be, not what I think you have that can help bring value to me. No, 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 no. I found what God placed in you, that talent that you probably didn't even know you had. The whole yep. purpose for why you're here. Help me God to see that so I can better lead them. Now that right there, that's a true definition of a servant leader. No, I'm serious. That is like, if there was one, and I'm going to get one from you when we close out, right? But I talk about that, like really laying down a black and white, bold-faced definition of servant leadership to people who don't know what that means. That's golden. That is right up there. I'm serious. That's going to be my definition. <laughs> right there. Look, that's fine. That's it. I mean, because it blew me. It blew me away because when you think about that as an athletic director, as a commissioner, 
as the CEO of a, a LLC in your marriage. Here we go. In your marriage, right? In the yeah. all your titles, right? Let me, I'm trying to remember. Are you a mom? I'm a mom. See, as a parent. Oh my God, as a parent, right? Because that's probably- Oh my God, as a parent. I, to help cultivate those things, right? And so as a coach, all those titles and hats, look at how many hands that, you know, you you touched, blessed, prayed with to mold them into their next. And mm-hmm. now I'm saying that I remember your baby girl just graduated, right? Yep, yep. It's right there. The proof is in the pudding. Yeah, God awesome. is good. He is. He really is. I wanted to, I wanted to touch on something you said. You, you said, and I'm not perfect, but you want me to tell you something? People ain't looking for perfect people. This is the one thing I've learned. This is the one thing I've learned. And I can say this because when I got the job as athletic director Dillard, I was 31 years old. Mm -hmm. I was 31 years old. I had never been an athletic director. I know nothing. All I had was what God told me. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are two very, very special people who walked this journey with me. Well, three. I got my husband was one, but my two staff members, my my uh, women's basketball coaches staff, mm-hmm. Norbert and Loretta. Norbert's the head coach now. Loretta's the associate head. Mm-hmm. They are the two who started this journey with me, and they believed in me. Even when it looked crazy, they believed. <laughs> Even when I dropped the ball, there was a, okay, we dropped the ball and we're just going to figure out how to make, a, make it work. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that they saw me make a lot of mistakes. Right. But what they needed from me as their leader was one, admit them. Come on. Don't, don't be up here high and mighty like I don't ever make no mistakes and point my finger down and point yes. the finger past and blame when things didn't go right. What they wanted for me was accept accountability for yes. when things did not go right, but, and be earnest about it. Yes. And after I accepted responsibility and was accountable, what's our next steps? Yes. How are we moving forward? And I've learned that literally if you, will be honest with people and yes. be transparent. Yes. They will they they will accept a lot. I mean mm-hmm. they they will for they are forgiving. Yep. They will say okay. And you earn their trust. Like I, I don't think we understand how important it is as certain leaders that we earn their trust. They mm-hmm. don't owe us nothing because mm-hmm. we have a title. Nobody owes us anything. We have a responsibility to earn their trust and to not betray them. And if we do, because we're simple, right, by nature, mm-hmm. and we're not perfect, that we own up to it and that we apologize. That's it. And that we try not to do that same thing again. That's what, that's what people need from us as leaders. And I think that's what was so frustrating about the last four years. They have a person up there who is absolutely awful, never takes responsibility, always blaming somebody, 
change the rules in the middle of the game. I mean, like we we athletes, right? We play ball. You don't yes, change the rules in the middle me, of the I game. Caught the, I caught you. the uh, correlation. I was with you. <laughs> okay, we playing twenty one. You know, if you got if you got the thirteen, I I used to do. If you if somebody got the thirteen, then the ones who didn't have a certain amount had to get out the game. Yeah, like, that, the game. The yeah. Like we don't keep moving it up because you hadn't gotten that yet, and you want to be a bad sport about it. Then we just gonna cancel the whole game. Like, Come on, Come on. I don't get to do that. If the rule is the rule, the rule is the rule, and everybody's subject to the rule, even the leader. Come on now. And if the leader is not subject to or is out of order, then the leader has a responsibility to be accountable to the people that they serve. Come on. We have that responsibility. Jesus died on the cross. Come on. He went all the way to the cross for the people that he served. What makes us think we don't do the same thing or we don't have that same responsibility as Christians? That's big. And we ain't perfect. Now he was perfect. We ain't perfect. Come on now. Look, I was telling people the other day, like that, there's so many portions to just what God and this Christ the Son and the Holy Spirit, um, all in that entity, entity um, just blows my mind, truly, right? You know, and it's not about, it's, it's, it's a compilation of things. It's, it's what he's done for me, right? And I tell people, yeah, I'm an open book testimony to what he's done for me on any account, okay? It's not just one, on any account. But my mind is blown, especially now in a different perspective, because it's like, legit, your only son, <laughs> You're the only one. That's it, right? Not that it mattered if you had multiple children because the sentiments would be the same, right? But your only son, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm preparing to be a mom, it's coming. And, but I'm thinking even now, and I'm like, okay, my only daughter, right? My I only- I don't know about all that. Yeah, I love y'all. You know my heart okay? But I don't know about that. Yeah. And so to know before you even, before I even knew me, before my mom even knew me, you said in the word, you knew the number of hair on my hairs on my head. And that's what you sent your son to die for. Knowing, knowing that we won't judge, knowing we're going to take the rules of the game, right? Not listen, right? Knowing they were going to make you an AD at 31 and you were going to say, what, you sure? Right, <laughs> knowing all these things, and he still said, I, I'm going to do this because I love you. And then I ask for you to just do certain things, but above all these things, I'm asking, I'm asking you to love me with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and I'm asking you to love one another as literally I- that's it, that's the gospel. One, two, one. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Love. Like, I I, I can only operate from love, so I only understand love. That is my Come language. Come on. I, 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 only, I love people. Yeah. And with times when I could have crushed people, like, he, oh, he won't let me. Come on, look. Ooh. That meme that's been pulled around was like, you don't know I saved you when I didn't tell your my side of the story. 
And it's almost, it is. I'm like you, it's, it's like I can't. It's like that liar scene where he just legitimately could not say the pen was blue. That is what happens even when my flesh wants to get in the way of my love. And it's like, no, uh-uh, you better. And so you'll get my silence and he gonna have to work on me. But I'm like, work on me. when we operate from that place of love, it does, it pulls at you. It tugs at you. It allows you to bite your tongue when yep. you want to let it lash. <laughs> you know? People have no idea. Like, oh my God. Oh. And I can only imagine so what you see in all your leadership positions. I can only imagine. But I think it's that's so a testament. When you, as you said at best, when you operate from a place of love, which he really called and asked us all to do. Right? He did. I he mean, literally did. And let me say this. So just like you have to be disciplined as an athlete, mm-hmm. these things require discipline. And God yeah. gives you tests. Come he puts you in situations to help develop that. That's so it. one of the things I think about, I'm like, man, I, you know, I was, when I was reflecting on kind of why me, like, I, how, how did, how did you decide that you would go put me in charge? Mm-hmm. But here's what I know for sure. I was disciplined. He had been preparing me for that. I had passed a lot of tests prior to that. Yes. In times where I could have gone against people when I was young, I never did. And I yeah. did because I was like, well, the Bible says that I was learning like yes. how to live my faith. Like yeah. if I'm really, if I really say this is what I believe, then my actions are supposed to align, right? Come on. So Come on. there's always this, you know, in the in this Christian walk, we're always, we're always fighting against what everybody else is doing, mm-hmm. but what we know is the right thing to do and what I enter what with the Holy Spirit, what it's telling us to do. And so there are some people who decide to let flesh take control. And then there are some of us who are warring with it. Like, no, I'm not going to let you be in control. I'm going to do the right thing because I know this is the right thing, even though, you know, I feel it. And so there's this testing that happens over and over. And I like to call it strength and conditioning. Yes. I like to call it strength and conditioning. You know, you're going through things because there's this preparation that's required and it's, it's going to be hard. Like you just have to decide how are you going to approach it? So I remember, I'll tell you, so I'm in year three or four as, as the AD and head coach and I ain't winning no games, y'all. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling. Like I don't even understand what's going on because I'm like, I am a winner. I have won on every level. God, I really don't understand why I can't, why I can't figure this thing out, right? So, I mean, I was in this woe with me. Like every day, I just don't know, God, I'm trying so hard, I can't. So I remember praying and I was crying and praying to him because I wanted to win my championship. That's what I was asking for. I need you because I know you can and you have the power. You can do anything you want to do. So I need you to make this happen for me. And he said to me, Kiki, he said, not going to make that happen for you. He said, it's strength and conditioning. I love that. And literally, and I'm going to tell you, literally, when he said that to me, I was like, is this what this is? My whole wow, attitude man. shift. Because see, as an athlete, when coach put me on the line, I was looking at him like, how fast, how, what's the time, coach? Oh, 30 seconds? Okay, I'm going to get it at 29. Okay, 29, coach? Okay, I'm going to get it at 28. Like my approach to training was like, you can't 
tell me what can't happen. You yeah. just tell me what it is and I am going to do what I need to do to excel above and beyond. So when my mindset changed about my situation, my situation changed. All of a sudden, things started aligning. I started seeing things more clearly. I knew what I needed to do. And mm -hmm. what that thing that I needed to do was I had to remove myself from the coaching situation. Come on. Now, that was very hard for me to do because it almost felt like I was quitting. But it wasn't quitting. It was what he was channeling me to do. He was like, you've got to this is this is where I need you to go here are the clear steps this is what needs to happen in order for the championships to happen and literally after I became the athletic director and I passed on coaching all of a sudden I had coaches winning championships you know why because now I was doing the work and preparing and getting them what they needed and the sports had somebody fully committed yeah but he had to change the way I thought so, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite scriptures is Romans 12, 1 and 2, where it talks about, you got to renew your mind. Come like, don't be conformed. You got to, you, you've got to renew your mind to everything. Don't think like the world. You've got to think differently. And when you think differently about it, different things will change. Different things will happen for you. You know, I can't with you. <laughs> You're just dropping all these little gems. You know, they at this stage, carpal tunnel sits in. Trying to get my notes in, okay? And you're dropping all these gems. But no, it's so golden because it truly is one refreshing it to, to be iron sharpens iron. We say that all the time. That's in the word, right? Uh, Coach yeah. said, you coming with it today. Yeah, he's actually at 40s. He's like, you coming with it today. But it, it truly is refreshing. But it it is one of those things where iron truly does sharpen those irons because every coach Every leader can find themselves in that position, but you have totally given me a different perspective. One of which I haven't heard before at all, but it is, it takes us back. You're an athlete, I don't care when you played, I don't care if it was even peepee, right? If you have just a tad of it, that right there was golden. That's the speech to say, boo. And to know you enough to know, let me put this in a context she can understand. Well, this just strength and conditioning. Why are you tripping? It doesn't feel good. It's not punishment though. Mm -mm. But you're gonna be strong and you're yeah. gonna win. You know, gonna, then everybody has go. been through preseason and postseason workouts where it's not in the season. So you feel like, oh my gosh, why are we even doing this? We're not playing games right now. But yep. you know what happens, you know what it does because when the season comes, when the battle comes, when the opposition comes, when it's time for the test, you are stronger, you are equipped, you are ready. That's you're already ready. Come on now, y'all be riling me up, right? You just, I mean, y'all be riling me up, but that's a whole word right there. A whole <laughs> that's word. That's what it is, literally. And, and let me tell you something. There's nothing like being prepared and knowing when you get in the game, you can get it done. Come on here. And, 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 and when you, and I, you know, it's crazy. And this, and this is, and this is what you have to know. I remember like, and this is, oh my God. So I'm, I'm going to go back to George Floyd. Okay. So remember I told you I had the conversation mm -hmm. with my white colleagues and I'm like, we emotional, we all crying. So I'm like, okay, we really, we are operating in love. I know they understand love and that we believe in the same God because everybody saying they believe in God, don't believe in the same God. That's evangelicals right. we ain't talking about the same guy because that foolishness we weren't talking about the same guy i can tell you that so i'm with my gcac colleagues we having we on one of our zooms we meet every week 
trying to figure out what we're going to do with COVID. How are we going to get these games done? Are we going to have a, a championship? What are we going to do? And so we on the call and I'm looking at him and understand I'm the only woman and I got all black men. And I remember sitting there looking at them and I asked them, I said, are y'all all right? I said, are y'all doing okay? And I mean, I meant that genuinely. And I, and you could, I mean, you know, I mean, men are different. Like, I don't know. They just, mm-hmm. it's like, they feel like they need to, to be strong or you can't show emotion, but I know emotion is there because I remember that week, my husband breaking down crying mm-hmm. after watching it. Now, just to know, I've never watched any of the murders ever. I cannot handle that. So when, when all that was going on, I was, I skipped social media or I scroll real fast. So I can't see anything. I yep. stay away from it. I cannot emotionally handle that. But to see my husband break down and cry, mm-hmm. it was amazing. So I know it was crazy. So I'm looking at him and I'm looking at my brothers in the business like, y'all good? So we sitting on that call and I literally started speaking to their spirit. I said, let me tell you something. And, and, and it's crazy. So it, it was one, it's, it's the moment in the game where you're looking for the person to step up and you know you need to win Come and on. you know your team, you know your team needs it. Like you beat down, right? And you in the huddle and you need somebody to step up. They need to give them the encouraging word. And I said to them, I said, let me tell you something, my brothers. I said, I know it's a tough time. I said, but here's, here, here's what I'll tell you. We win in the end. And I went through the scripture. I said, I don't know how all this is going to go. But this is what I need for you to know. We win in the end. And right now, I just need for y'all, we got to hold tight to that. We got to stay connected. We got to do what we got to do. Take the breaks. Breathe. Give yourself a moment to do whatever you need to do. But in the end, because I know what God told me, we win. That was my word to them. And it was funny because they were like, we go pass around the collection plate. <laughs> but but the point of the matter is, and this, this is why I love sports. This is why I love sports. I feel like everything I learned in how to apply and to be victorious in the journey of Christian of a Christian walk in terms of fighting, because we gotta fight. We say we gotta fast, we gotta fight, we gotta pray. We fighting every day yeah. against the wiles of the devil. I learned how to fight. I learned how to work to be prepared to fight. Because the Bible talk about us being prepared. He talked about yeah. putting on the helmet of salvation, the Come breastplate on. of righteousness. He tells us put uh, put out the the, the um, shoes the, the shoes of the preparation of peace. He tells Come us on. to put all those things, the full armor oh God, oh because we on. fight. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so what I felt like at that time was we at war. We are yeah. like literally at war. People are hurting and they need somebody to speak to their spirit. And God prepared me for that because this is what I do. I'm an encourager. I bring energy. When people are down, I find a way to lift them up. And in that moment, it was the moment in the game. We need to get what we need to do because we got to make it through the, we got to make it through the season. We got kids depending on us. Come on. We got universities depending on us. They need to be encouraged right now. And so I activated just like I would as an athlete. We win. Now, all I need for you to do is take care of yourself right now. So I told him, you need to take care of yourself. 
take a break. Give your coaches a break. Listen, here's what I told my staff. Our, our success for this year is make it through the end of the year. I don't care if we play a game. I just need for us all to be employed. That's what I'm trying to figure out how to do. Any decision that I make is about making sure that we all get a chance to play again. Mm -hmm. And that one moment right there gave us just, just a little bit to keep going. And that's what we have to do in terms of the people to me in sports. Those of us who work in sports, we have to figure out a way to convey that and to keep us focused and prepared so that we can help our people be able to be successful in keeping us together and moving forward. And like I said, when we die, we've arrived. You know, I'm old school, even though I'm young, I'm old school, right? So, you know, in the old Baptist church, we throw stuff at folks. And I said that a couple of times on here, right? But see, I would have all kinds of stuff thrown at you right now. So you better be glad that this is virtual. A whole word. I mean it. There's a whole word because all of us have found ourselves in those places. But I think you said it best when when we, like I said, played a sport, been involved with a sport. It's just something about those correlations. And can you imagine knowing what the word says? Truly, as you said, in the end, we win. How would you play that game if you didn't fear that you were going to lose? And I know my, I know how our kids are, right? They go in with fear. They go with all these extra expectations that, you know, stops them from their full potential and just relaxing and playing. And so it's almost like if I whispered to you, don't worry about it. Y'all, we're going to win this. I'm not just saying that. I was told we're going to win this game. So just go out and play. Don't worry about it. Could you just imagine that? Like truly that belief, that understanding, that faith and knowing that his word is true to say in the end we win. Now look, everything that happens in the first, second, third, and fourth quarter, maybe even a little overtime, depending on where he wants to take you through. I can't, I can't tell you that part. Why? Because that's going to be filled with tests and trials and obstacles, ups, down. You may get some bumps and bruises. All right? But here's the thing. You may even be injured for a minute, have to come out and take a break. But this game, when the last buzzer sounds, when you look up at the scoreboard, we win. How would you change the way you play that game? And so when you transfer that into this Christian walk, his word says, in the end, we win. He tells you that. Now, it doesn't say, and so this whole walk is going to be so glossy and nice and on candy land, golden brick roads. No, your golden roads are later. Yeah. But yeah. what I am telling you is all things work together. For the good. That's my yeah. favorite scripture. Come on. And it, it was amazing because I'm just going to say this real quick. I had actually been, you know, it's, I'm a teacher, new summer, right? With summer here. So I've been catching up on manifest, right? It's amazingly good. But that's, I mean, granted a, a show, but it, the basis of that is from Roman 828. The mom, not to give it away, it was the very first episode. The mom, her, I think she only lasted three episodes too. But her most pivotal line that set the tone for three seasons of work was Roman, Romans 8.28. All things. And throughout the whole entire thing, no matter what happens, they revert back to, oh, this didn't feel good. Oh, I don't like how that, but all things. All, all things. It didn't say it's not feel good. But if you trust him and understand this, you will know and understand that in the end, we win. And all those tests, like you said in this call, all these trials, 
all those things that may not feel good, there's strength and condition and it gets you to that point. I just want you to get to the fourth quarter. That's what I tell you. What good are you to me? If you don't get through strength and conditioning in that fourth quarter, you're not going to make it. You gonna be, I need to come that's out. Bible, listen, that's why the Bible tells us we have to persevere. You can't come persevere without strength and conditioning. Come on. Let it be. You can't. Good. You I can't. I can't with you today. <laughs> now there are, now as I, as we close up for today, goodness, I could talk to you all day. There are two questions. There are two questions that I place on each servant leader as they walk down their servant leader streets and get enshrined into our servant leader community and our servant leader wall of fame. Okay. One of the first ones you definitely have answered already when we talk about servant leadership. So before I go there, I'm going to go with one of my favorite ones because it's what I do. It's what I do in my day-to-day walk. It's a reminder, right? When we have to persevere, when we have to strengthen condition, you know, it's not easy, but I always remind myself what God is so that even when I'm tired, even when I'm going through, even when I know all good things, all things work together, good, bad, ugly, whatever, but in those good, bad, and ugly moments, sometimes it's easy to just forget what God is. So what I find myself doing each day, make it a point to just say God is, and I will just have my moment and just start ripping off what he is to me, what he isn't to me, what he's been, what I know he promised he would be. Now I get multiple because you know, I sit there, but see, I limit you all to just one. And I know that's hard to a God that literally can be any and everything. But I'm going to ask you today, if I were to write on this invisible chalkboard, God is, and I drew a blank, how would Dr. Kiki Baker Bond respond to that? God is what? Girl, you're coming with the heavy questions. (laughs) I know. I know. You take a little minute. Oh man, I really got to think about what would what, I say? I want to just start singing God is. See, I know that's my jam. Come on. I know. <laughs> um, what is God to me? God is my vision. Come on. And I do believe that's new. So you're going to have to tell me why did he place on your heart to give that one? Because all the things that I've done, I wasn't taught how to do only but by him. Mm. So I became a head coach in three years. I hadn't been under enough people to really know what I was doing. And then my athletic director left within a month after I got there. So I was by myself. So all I had was him to talk to. So he showed me what to do. Same thing with the athletic director job. I'd never been AD. And now I'm here 15 years, and that was just conversations with him. Well, what should I do, God? And he showed me. So he's he's the vision. He's he's shown me what I'm supposed to do, where I'm supposed to go. He's shown me what the end looks like. And then I just work backwards from there. And I, I don't know how to explain it to people sometimes. I'm like, mm-hmm. I see things. And once I've seen it, I can't unsee it. And so then 
at this, my, all of my work then from that point on is to, to get to this thing that he's shown me that's supposed to happen. So when things happen, it's like, but I told y'all that, like, I told y'all that was going to happen. He mm-hmm. told me my first, in the, in my first year as, as the graduate assistant that I was going to be a head coach at 25. I became a head coach about three, a month after I turned 25. He told me I was going to have a successful athletics program and we were going to win championships and a whole bunch of things. And he showed me what it looked like. It, it has manifested itself. Like, mm-hmm. but he showed me that. So for me, he's vision. Um, God is vision for me. Um, and I don't, you know, I, I think he could be that for anyone if you mm-hmm. are willing to, to trust him and really believe I don't know. No, that's golden. I love it. Now, of course, yes, you have given us the amazing, amazing already definition in straight heat on servant leadership. So consider this like when you look at the 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 dictionary and they give you one and then they give you two and then they give you three. Yeah. So servant leadership. This is a servant leader coaches Bible study where servant leadership and faith is literally at the core of what we do, right? Because we cannot forget. It's not about the position. It's about who positioned us there. People will hear me say that all the time. I don't care what title we obtain. I don't care what accolades we receive. You know, at the end of the day, it's truly to widen our scope to serve. It's truly to widen our scope to be able to, as you said, be with the people. So servant leadership, two words that are action words, right? Can take on so many meanings. You've given us amazing ones, but I'm gonna give, give you one more chance. I need one more drop, one little fire emoji, one little Jimmy emoji, servant leadership. Dr. Kiki Baker Barnes, what is servant leadership to you? Servant leadership. <laughs> oh, golly. Boy, you really, you really making me work hard right now. Hey, it's like imagine you are like one step away, like from jumping over hot lava into servant leadership <laughs> enshrinement. That's what that is. So I gotta make them good. Yes, I agree. Um, empathy hmm. and and. sacrificial come on it's not about you come on and that's, new that's, that's when i work with young people like people who want to be in charge first question is why <laughs> <laughs> why do you want to be in charge of the headache i love it you have truly dropped so many gems today like, I wish you could see my notebook over here. And I laugh. I'm like, is there, there's a point in every call and every podcast where you hear my paper do like this. <laughs> and I love that, though, because that lets me know. I tell people it's not just about just being on here. It's not just about trying to add another podcast to the thousands of podcasts that exist. It's truly finding that place where faith and sports intersect right? Where you have a place to recognize that no matter what facet you find yourself in the sports world, we are still God's people and we are infiltrating the sports thing. And so what you have brought to us today, I know for a fact, for those who listen now 
and those that will listen later. They, if they're like me and they truly listen, they grew. They grew. So I thank you for being here today. I really, really do. I know I can only imagine what that calendar looks like. I truly thank you for being here, coming on and chatting with me and just lifting up the name of Christ to encourage us. Well, I'm grateful that you have been obedient to do this work. We wouldn't even be able to have this conversation if you weren't obedient. So thank you for your obedience and positivity. I just, I love the energy you come with. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, make people excited about, about their walk and their relationship. I, I think it's beautiful and it's refreshing to see. I appreciate that. You know, as much like what you said, when God gives you vision, we have to be obedient to the call. And every day I tell people that, you know, the, my, after week one, we're now a year and three months in after week one, my, my answer to everyone was if, if the yeses roll in, I will continue. And Christ keeps providing the yeses because of people like you. So I thank you for your obedience and for being here. And of course, before we let you go, we got to cover you. So if you buy your hair real quick, Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for today. We thank you for the call. We thank you for obedience and we thank you for crossing. We thank you that we don't find robbery, that when you speak, when you give the vision, that we go ahead and say, yes, we didn't know that this hour was going to bring so much depth, so much value, Lord God, but so much joy in you. And so I'm asking right now, Lord God, that you just put your hand on Dr. Barnes, Lord God, be with her as she does your work. Be with her in every endeavor that you've blessed her and tasked her with. Bless the people around her, Lord God. Bless her family. Bless those, Lord God, that encourage her to just continue lifting her up to be able to do what she can do. All the servant leaders that are listening now that will listen in the future, I ask that you just bless them, Lord God. Keep them at their them at their point of need. But most of all, we ask that you help us to be lights. Help us to illuminate so that those that may not know you can find you. In your son Jesus' name, we'll always pray. Amen. 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 I just feel like, let everybody say. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I love it. Well, Dr. Kiki Baker Barnes, you are now a part of the servant leader family. We welcome you in. Come on in. We're so thankful to have you and we thank you for what you do. We're going to be rooting you on in the backgrounds, in the forefront. And if there's anything we can ever do, all you have to do is reach out. I'm in there. (laughs) We're in there. We thank you guys for listening and we'll see you all next time.